This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. With having so many students, how do I create moments with individuals where mm-hmm. I let them know that I see them, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that that's a, a fear for me is that students are going to feel in, even more invisible than they maybe already do in yeah. person, right? Yeah. In the building, because let's be real, there are so many students that feel invisible in mm-hmm. a school. Mm-hmm. And that has only gotten worse. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. One, two, two. Interchangeable White Ladies. Inter- interchangeable. In- in- interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So our essential question for the day is how can educators continue to do their own racial literacy while managing COVID trauma while teaching remotely? I mean, because it's not like teachers, you know, had, <laughs> we, like we didn't have enough things to manage before all of this happened, right? <laughs> I feel like each of those pieces could be its own podcast. I, I know. And I was like, this. I just like, it felt like I just kept <laughs> going with that. Like, and this, and this. <laughs> furthermore. <laughs> furthermore. Um, <laughs> warning listeners, this is a very ad heavy podcast. So if you're not interested in that, feel free to skip forward. But we, we think you might find it interesting because um, we're going to try to get into some ins and outs and some things kind of behind the scenes that I think are less um, maybe obvious to the average person, even if you have kids in school, if you're not plugged in um in certain ways, right? You're going to miss out on certain things. Mm -hmm. So I guess let's just simply start with, um, I mean, it's August. School is just (laughs) around the corner. How are you feeling about that? Um, so anxious about it. If I'm being really (laughs) honest. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. The anxiety, the anxiety is real, right? Of like the unknown and I am a prepper and I like to be prepared and, so do you have like a pantry full of canned goods, like that kind of prepper or what kind of prepper are we here? <laughs> a doomsday, a doomsday prepper. Do you have like um, a, a shotgun in the back it. with like a lot yeah, of No, that's, case, that's my father. Ready to go. Um, case of shells, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I shoot a shotgun yeah. quite a bit. Yes. Um, not that, I'm not a doomsday prepper, but I like to know what's coming and then feel prepared that I can tackle it. And mm. I can't even begin to, I mean, I can begin, but it's been really challenging to begin to figure out what this is going to look like and how it's going to happen. And I think that there's still so much left up in the air, which is also anxiety inducing, Mm -hmm. right? So it's at this point when we're recording this, the official schedule hasn't come out. And so not even sure what a school day is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah for listeners, so. it's August 10th. So just yes. FYI for your for yeah, reminder yeah. there. I know yeah, so I mean, changing, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hourly, daily. Yeah. It's really hard. So I, I believe your point about like the unknowns. It reminds me of, okay, you're going to remember the politician who was like in the Bush administration was like, there are no knowns and there are unknown knowns <laughs> and there are known unknowns. I don't know if you remember who yeah. that is. Someone Rumsfeld. I don't know, somebody. Um, but I feel like that, right? So it's like, yeah, we, we the normal stuff that's 
at the beginning of any year. You know, the kids you don't know, mm-hmm. the how's the first day going to go? Are the lessons going to land how you planned? Who's on your team that you're collaborating with? Are you going to get along? You know, just like all that kind of stuff that's typical unknown, but then like the real unknowns, which is holy, I guess I shouldn't swear, but like, just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with scheduling? And in Tacoma, you're in Tacoma, you guys have decided to be essentially all online, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's the thing that is, um, really interesting. And, and I think that there's a lot of clarity needed around what this all means is that there is virtual and then there's remote, right? And Mm -hmm. so we're all going to be essentially, nobody's going to be in brick and mortar. But right now, families are being asked to either sign up for a virtual situation or sign up for remote, which I think Mm -hmm. the idea is that remote learning will eventually transition into the hybrid, right? Where like partly in the building, partly not. But those are two different things at this point for families. But essentially, everybody's going to be online. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think we often use those words interchangeably and particularly in the spring, right. When everything hit the fan mm-hmm. is like remote online, virtual, like everything just got interchanged, but actually they mean quite different things. Yes, exactly. And the approach for them are going to be quite different. Yeah. Um, like in our, go ahead. What's so what you do got, you think? Um, so in your guys's case, remote means that you're going to have a teacher like you are yeah. going to be, you know, managing, helping kids along the way versus something that's a little bit more independent study style. Is that correct? Yeah. And I, I think that the the idea is that with remote, they're going to try and model the schedule as closely mm-hmm. to what the hybrid schedule was going mm-hmm. to be. And so there's going to be scheduled class periods and class times where students are meeting with their teacher virtually versus the virtual um, model is a self-paced, self-guided with teacher mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in our, in our case is um, kind of wild. So most listeners know that I'm in the UAE and we essentially have, and I say we, like the government has COVID semi-unlock. Like there's 10 million people. We've tested over 5 million. They're constantly testing people regularly. Um, and there's a lot of just mandated rules around like safety measures for everybody. And so um all the schools have been told to offer like if like you were describing the virtual experience. So if, if a parent is concerned about sending their kid to school, mm-hmm. they are going to be able to do it from home completely online. Um, and then also the other option is most schools are doing a hybrid form. So mm-hmm. we have a couple versions that I saw um, some iterations a few weeks ago, but I actually haven't seen <laughs> the latest version. <laughs> I, but I know that part of it, from what I understand, both versions, part of it was going to definitely be on online. Um, and then the other part would be in person. But our in, the one thing about the in person that I will say that's really different here is everybody's been tested. Like we all will be yeah. tested again before school starts. And there's like regular testing that's going to happen. There's temperature checks at the one entrance that, to the school that they're going to have. Like there's staggered start times because I'm in a K-12. Um, there's just some different, they found grant money. I was telling my mom this today, like they found grant money to change all of the faucets in the school to sensory. And I'm like, if you're going to do it, then you that's the kind of stuff you need to do, right? Yeah. And then I just flash back to I mean, what's happening in the States where, like, you can't find grant dollars to buy books for a classroom yeah. for 
you know, some cool like? things you want to do. Like, what? Oh, what yeah. would it be like? If, like- yeah. When I think about my yeah. own, you know, like you said, like the unknown anxiety, like I've never taught in a mask before. What's that going to be like? Yeah. Because I can't have group work. Like you're all just 1.5 feet apart. There's like no turn and talk to your partner way over there yes. loudly, like through your I- mask, shouting at them because everybody has to wear a mask on campus if we're on campus, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of that stuff that I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But I also there's a lot of things that have been alleviated. Right. Like knowing that we're all going to have been tested, knowing that there's these certain yeah. things in place, I do feel um, less concerned, I guess, than I than I might feel in another in yeah. another situation. I I think it's interesting, like hearing how other countries are handling it, right, and hearing how the speed at which the government moved into taking care of this has mm-hmm. changed now. Months later, what going back mm-hmm. to school looks like. Mm-hmm. But I, we've been like really talking jargony and like talking about mm-hmm. virtual and online. And you kind of alluded to they're two different things, right? But I think us being able to dissect that and explain like yeah. what is the difference, right? Like what is the difference between teaching a normal online class, which has been done before, right? Like yes. there's models, yep. teachers do it all the time. I took online classes in college versus yep. what teachers are going to be doing in the fall, right? Like what is that difference? Yeah. I mean, describe your online class in college. What was that like? I think many listeners probably had it, but like recap Mm -hmm. it for us. Right. It was was that, you know, there was reading and assignments and there were scheduled dates where you had to post on like forums, discussion forums, right? And you had to engage with your classmates through the forum, but there was, um, for mine, there was never meeting alive, right? There were never Mm -hmm. live sessions. There were never um, in the moment engagement with my professors, it was all my own independent learning and then discourse and discussion at my own pace. Yeah. Yeah. I am currently taking a course, um, from global online Academy and Mm -hmm. our school's paying for some professional development this summer. So we could like take these classes and I, it's the same, it was kind of that similar thing, except it's designed for adult learners too. So it's that pacing, right? You get to choose what module you're engaging in at what point. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, now it's 2020. So we have like, you know, use of Flipgrid to like post comments if we want, we don't have to right? for us because it's an extended um, professional learning experience. There's not grades attached. Right. So it's a little bit different too, but I I think in all of those, it's very much geared towards creating, you know, a complete online experience, which is quite different. I mean, I think about just platforms are different, but also like age group and what you can get away yeah. with doing is so different. And I there's a good article we'll link to in the show notes. But it for me, it really stood out like what we did in the spring was emergency remote teaching. Like it was not everybody who complained, teachers and parents, everybody rightfully so complaining where it didn't work and all the problems and the stress and all that stuff. That's because it was an emergency situation. Teachers didn't have the support, consistent support to build meaningful lesson plans all the time, right? And across districts, across the country, it was so varied um, because it was an emergency. So to be clear, I think a lot of people ended up doing stuff that isn't good teaching practice per se because we're in a dumpster fire burning alive. Like, what you going to do? Like, right, the context of that most teachers had three to seven days to completely change and shift what they were doing. And then also I challenge anybody in their professional world to shift how they do their job within three to seven days time. But then also every week 
They're yeah. getting new updates of things that they can do and things they can't do yep. and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. And so things and measures that they like teachers had put into place. Yeah. <laughs> or then to like that the next week you were told, well, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think that having compassion and empathy for all those involved mm-hmm. in the situation mm-hmm. is necessary, but also recognizing that that's not going to be the case as much so in yeah. the fall. So what is different about this fall, you think, compared to what we were all doing back in the spring? I think that it's going to feel less like people are trying to build the plane while it's flying. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that... Hopefully. I, and I mean, all hopefully. I can say is like, I hope, right? I, I have never done it. I, I'm not in it yet. I don't know. But I think that you're going to find teachers that have been... Um, educating themselves and preparing all summer to figure out how to do this well. You're going to see that districts have hopefully invested in um, common systems that are going to be used district wide so that it's easier for parents to engage. I think that that's one of the hardest things that from the spring, right. Is like if a parent has multiple children, like how are they supposed to manage all of the different assignments? And especially Mm. if, you know, if they have middle school and high school students, that's six classes per student per kid that they're having to manage. And I think that hopefully districts have invested in platforms where instead of a parent having to log in and log out of a system and log in and try and contact and manage all of these different emails from all the different teachers that they can go to one place and be updated on what their children are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope I mean, fingers crossed, I hope that teachers have more support from the district and more understanding and clarity on what is expected of them. When at the very beginning of the closure, I was talking with my principal and a couple other teachers about it over email of, he was just trying to see, okay, so what, um, what are your thoughts, right? Like, what are your concerns? Mm-hmm. And my number one concern was clear expectations. Yeah. Any good teacher knows that clear expectations are how you find success in a classroom with students. It's mm-hmm. your num- It's my number one classroom management tool is mm-hmm. my students knowing what I expect of them. It's, it's my engagement tool. Like when students know what is expected of them, they can then um, make choices accordingly. Right. Yeah. And some yeah. don't make good choices. Right. <laughs> don't like some, some are like, Oh, that's your expectation. Like, mm, no, thanks. Like, <laughs> not for me, but at least they know. And I think that yeah. that's where like in the spring students didn't know what the expectations were or mm-hmm. there were no expectations. Yeah. Other like than teachers that know, know, students that know, parents that know. Exactly. And so it, yeah. it doesn't surprise me that engagement was so challenging in the spring because there was no way to tell students, these are the expectations that we have for you. Please make good choices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, as you think about this fall and your own, like you mentioned, a lot of concerns you have about the unknown, but like in terms of thinking about your own teaching practice, I mean, are you coming in um, not knowing anything, but like knowing do you have, I guess, do you have ideas about how your practice is going to shift? Like, what are some things you learned, do you think, from the spring? And then now thinking about having had a few months, um, what are you thinking about in terms of what's going to be different? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, honestly, I think everything is going to be different, <laughs> right? Um, 
I think that a focus on social emotional Mm-hmm. far more in the beginning, especially. I think like you and I have talked a bit about this of in the spring, we had the luxury of um, having had relationships with our students in person yeah. moving in and how much we leveraged those relationships in order to create engagement mm-hmm. and connect with our students. And this year it's like, how the heck am I going to do that? Um from the get-go, but also yeah. like social emotional, right? It's that these kids haven't been in a school since March, mm-hmm. right? And and not only that, but haven't, um, they've experienced significant trauma, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it, there's, and especially BIPOC students on top mm-hmm. of COVID trauma have had the, the trauma of this Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and seeing black men being killed and black women being killed by the police. Right. Yeah, and, and the yeah. social unrest that is happening. And I'm, I'm thinking a lot about that and I'm, I'm interested. I know that you have been having a lot of really good conversations with people about that. And I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are kind of around that shared trauma. And then also just the trauma that students are going to bring with them into mm-hmm. this, into the fall. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's so many things to, to talk about. Um, I'm reminded of a couple weeks ago, we interviewed Toby Scruggs Hussein, and she talked about what's different about this fall in particular is that it's shared trauma around COVID. So while we have had, you know, people are impacted in different ways, and we know a lot of times communities of color are impacted more um, for a lot of complex reasons, um, also racism, but (laughs) simple answer for that. Um, But one of the things she brought up is just the shared trauma around COVID. And so Mm -hmm. in some, it was funny because she was almost like hopeful the way she was, I felt like when she was talking about it, like we now have this point that's almost leveling things for teachers who sometimes can be so um, removed from their students' lives in terms of, you know, socioeconomic status, um, race differences, uh, class differences, I mean, all that stuff. Um, and here we have this thing that's a bit of an equalizer in some regards, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of building off that, thinking about, well, how adults deal with trauma poorly or well, <laughs> how kids, yes. same thing, right? And then, like, what are those kind of gaps in between those things, Um you know, what kind of challenges does that present for the fall? Like you said, um, really needing to focus lessons around social emotional learning. And I know that used like buzzword all the time, but like, what does it actually mean? Well, I kind of feel like in some regards, that means just being more empathetic to your students' experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm in a number of social media, Facebook um, groups for like, you know, different content that I'm supposed to be teaching this year. And it's wild to see like some of the conversations. Like there's <laughs> people who are like, I'm doing this thing, you know, and here's what I've got planned. And I'm looking at their lessons like, this is so removed from like, it's cool, but it was like cool five years ago. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about right now? Like what 17 year old is going to give it rat's booty <laughs> like about what you're talking about or want to read that like I'm bored and I am an English teacher you know so like there's some mm-hmm. of those things where I just think people are not realizing the kind of work they're gonna have to do and not that I realize it I just in the back of my it's just looming in the back of my head where I'm like oh shit I need to make sure that I'm thinking about yes. things so then in practical sense how funny. are you going to use that to inform what you're going to do like how is it going to change what you're going to do yeah then right like question this idea right um, tell me all of the Great answers question. as out. I sip my water can you just I, sip my water. I know like taking a long sip of my coffee to give yeah, you time yeah. to like think about the answer 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of the many factors. Um, I was thinking a little bit about, like, we'll link to it too, but some of you listeners um, had a chance to listen to John Green and Nate Bowling talk recently at a social studies conference last week um, and just talk about that. What does it mean to have empathy for teenagers? What does it mean to have um, understanding for yourself? Be open with them when you're going through hard things, like being the whole person with kids. And I mean, there are teachers who are like too much of a whole person with their students. Oh, oh, <laughs> I definitely God, yes. have shaded those people over the years. <laughs> but I also think it's okay to say like, yeah, this is hard. Like, this is really hard. I'm having, this is a hard day for me too. Right. Or I'm having yeah. a hard time. I'm having a hard time in this way. And I, but I also don't think it's an excuse to then like put bad curriculum in front of a kid or yeah. to be like, you know, and consistently, right. It's one thing if you have a bad day and you're like, okay, I'm using this handout. That's, I shouldn't probably really use that often. Right. But it's different when that's like the norm. So how do we continue to be adults Right. To deal with our mm-hmm. own issues, get counseling, process it with our partners, whatever, our friends, whatever it is, listen to podcasts um, and then be the adult for the kid. in like, a, I don't know, I don't know how to say it besides be the adult for the kid, but in like yeah. a hopeful way at the same time as a very hopeless. It feels very hopeless. And I it's not that I'm like fake hope all the time, even though it's my name. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> That's a very long winded answer. Like, um. No, I think that you touch on a lot of really good things to think about, right? And I I am constantly a proponent of teachers showing vulnerability in the classroom mm-hmm. with their students, right? It's it's how it's part of the way that I try to and attempt to teach social emotional skills with my students yeah. is by mirroring what does it look like to be vulnerable and what does it look like to be honest about where you're at as a human. But I also think like you were saying, teachers have to be able to recognize you can be vulnerable without emotionally relying on your students. Mm, that's, right? that's the way to say it. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I think that as we move into the fall, being vulnerable in showing your students the struggles that you are going through and being honest about what is challenging for you through this, but not emotionally relying on your students to take Mm -hmm. care of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really hard balance to find. And listen, I know of teachers that don't know how to balance that. (laughs) Right. And it's an overshare. You're like, yo, Friday afternoon wine group. That's not for. Right. And it's like, I mean, I mean, I've heard stories of teachers that are like, proudly telling other teachers about how students have done these like certain things for them or or like been there for them in a proud way as though it's like an example of um it's an example of a positive teacher-student relationship and in my mind I'm like oof that is so Mm -hmm. wildly inappropriate Mm -hmm. like you can't be vulnerable about your story and I think so a good example or hope I think was a good example and something that teach other like people that I love supported me through. So a year ago, um, last August, I was diagnosed with cancer. Right. And I, um, I had a massive surgery. I was recovering from that. I was going through, you know, the process of treatment and all these appointments and I was missing a significant amount of school. I was missing two to three days or I would say one to three days a week all the way through December. And I told my students on the first day of school, right? Like I told my students, this is what's going on in my life. Um, I'm going to be okay. Mm I, I'm scared. It's a scary Mm -hmm. thing. It's okay. If you're scared, Mm -hmm. it's okay. If you're confused, cause you don't really know me, like whatever Mm -hmm. you're feeling is (laughs) completely okay. I'm going to try and be as transparent as possible with you. 
right? After all of my appointments, I would come back and try and give them an update about like, hey, we're doing good. It was a great, it was a good appointment. We got answers, right? And then we would move on into the lesson. Mm -hmm. I was vulnerable with my students and I communicated with them what was going on in my life in a time that like, listen, outside of the classroom, I didn't know what the heck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know what, <laughs> what the heck was going on, right? Like I was a mess outside of the classroom, but I also knew like I never relied on my students to emotionally mm-hmm. take care of me during mm-hmm. that. They knew what was going on. They watched me try and walk through that really scary and emotional time, but I never relied on them. And even when they would try to, I would try and honor that, but not allow it. Yeah. And I think that teachers need to figure out how to do that in the fall. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of us um, had to face some things in the spring with emergency teaching and um, going online that we had to face around the role of teaching that provides meaning and purpose in our life. And I think the moment you have something that shifts that, right, like whether it's personal health issues, a death in the family, um, all there's a lot of things that can contribute to that that cause you to kind of step back and go, okay, like this is purposeful. This is meaningful. They have a place in my life. I have a place in their life, but is there a codependency? And I yeah. think particularly in high needs places, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's part of like what happens when you have a profession that is dominated by women and some of the expectations on women. I don't know if that's part mm-hmm. of it, but um, just that over like going, Hey, this might not be a very healthy relationship, you know, just cause you're used to doing all of this work and you're used to feeling this certain way um, and having this certain role doesn't mean that that's actually the healthy role that's there. And that's what yeah. it kind of reminds me. It makes me, makes me think of what you're sharing there. Um, totally. pe- people haven't realized that. Right. 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 And I think that, so many teachers do this work because we, we love it. Lizzie, you don't become a teacher and you don't stay in the teaching profession unless you love it, unless you really enjoy interacting with kids. Like maybe that's not true for like a hundred percent of the teachers (laughs) that I know. Um, Or maybe they've lost that. But there's some kind of like, yeah, you you don't go into this work as like, I don't know, like without some sort of passion towards it. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the spring, teachers lost that that purpose and that reason mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times it's like that engagement and interaction with students. I know for myself, I was doing mood tracking, right, at a point because mm-hmm. it was a really challenging quarantine time. Yeah. And I added a, like for my mood tracker, I added a um, part about meaningful engagement with students for my days. And so I was tracking my mood and then like a lot of like, Oh, did I exercise? Oh, how much water did I drink? Yeah. Oh, like was right, this a chart the- you made for yourself with like stickers and stuff? It was, or is no, it, like it was an a, app. <laughs> so an Excel an app. spreadsheet. It was an app on my phone that I downloaded. I wish you had like five mood rings, like one for each type of thing that you're Tell me how I'm feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Like one is for your exercise. I should like have different colored rings that I wear (laughs) and like each color means something and I wear them while I'm teaching virtually. So I perfect. Yeah. Just where where Miss Holyoke is at. As I'm like teaching them, just change what this one means too. They'll be really confused. They're like, is the blue one a good one today? I don't know. Yeah. Right. And they're going to be like messaging, messaging each other on the side. Like, no, yeah. she's, she's wearing the black rings. Like, oh, yeah. God. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. oh, she's having a dark day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, anyway, you started yes, to track anyway. that. So like, and I tracked that and it's, it totally correlated, right? Yeah. After, after about a month and a half, I noticed like, oh, when I would ha- say that I had a meaningful interaction, like virtual interaction with students, yeah. my mood was better for the day. It's true. And so it's like, I think knowing that, knowing, and, and a lot of those relied on my previous relationships with my mm-hmm. students. How can teachers build that from the start, starting virtually, mm-hmm. right? Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? How do you build a virtual community? And why is that important for teachers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect place to take a quick break and then we'll try to answer it, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> giant global companies are basically lawless now and are trying to overpower our democracy to protect their profit margins? Yes. And how it's basically impossible to opt out of the late capitalist system we've created? Sis, you don't have to tell me. Well, listen, I found a first step. TAPCO Credit Union, Pierce County's original credit union. Really? Tell me more. Well, credit union means they're not-for-profit financial cooperative, and they exist to enrich their members, not some big bank shareholders somewhere out of state. And they are Pierce County's credit union, dedicated to serving the local community, just like Channel 253. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Well, what about their services? I mean, I can't live without mobile banking. Am I right? Right, right. So now you don't have to choose between important services and your ethics because TAPCO offers mobile banking, access to a nationwide ATM network, plus lower fees and better rates than a lot of the big guys. Ooh, I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with that. TAPCO's a local choice. To learn more about keeping your money local, visit tapcocu.org. Thank you, TAPCO, for your support of this podcast and Channel 253. All right. And we're back. And uh, before we jump back in to try to answer that really challenging question Megan just left us with. um, It's really easy. (laughs) We just want folks to know that coming very, very soon is our book club episode on The Body's Not Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. If you've not read it, hurry up download it. It's really like a four hour audiobook. You can do this and it'll enrich your life. So go check mm-hmm. it out. All right. Do you want to reset your question again? What was it? Building community? Yes. So <laughs> how, about kids, how can teachers not being a creep on the internet? What? Oh my gosh. Right. That's the, the hard part. So how do teachers build community virtually, right? How do you build the classroom environment in the classroom community that you have in person starting virtually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this kind of goes back to some of the things I'm thinking about that I need to change this year. And so because I actually don't have our official schedule yet, I don't know if we start virtual, if we don't start virtual, if how many hours that is, minutes or whatever. But I started mm-hmm. to think about um, chunking like my lessons and my activities in like smaller increments. So I started thinking about things like in in a theme sense, of course, like a couple weeks, but also like one week. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I started thinking about is what are those activities that I've done in the past in person that I could actually still do online or tweak to do online in a way that is kind of meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've talked a bit on this podcast, I think before about is like I do an intro letter. And usually in person, I hand out a kid every single a copy to every kid. I like read it, kind of read, kind of go over it with them. Um, and then I give them time to write a letter back to me with like some key points that I, you know, in questions to get their thinking going, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can easily do that in an online platform. Um, it's more boring. So is there something that I can do with that letter? Like, I think I could actually just read the letter to them, like almost yeah. like a speech in a video, 
right? Yep. And maybe I have the printed form and the video form like loaded on my website or whatever my platform, right? And so the kid can choose, do they want to read it or do they want to watch me talk about it to them? Looking at the camera, speaking with passion, right? And making it feel personal, right? So mm-hmm. there's stuff like that. I um, I saw this really fantastic um, like third grade teacher who's like so extra, but like, that's what you have to do in third grade. I think, um, God bless <laughs> elementary school teachers and I, truly, she, like, truly God like, bless elementary oh school God. teachers, so especially during this time. Oh. So she had created this, um, Google slide PowerPoint that is like 10 slides. I don't know. It was like so many, but basically I got the impression that it was something every day the kids could do to get to know her. And so every slide was like a different part. So I was like, what the heck? She had gifts of herself. She had videos embedded. She had like 10 favorite things. And it was like a picture of her. And then all it was like visuals, right? Cause it's third grade. So like all these pictures of her doing the things that she said she loved, like walking in the park mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And then every single one of those slides had a thing that the kid could do back that mirrored that same oh thing God. that she just told them. All right? I, so I was right like, now is like, this is why I'm not an elementary school teacher. <laughs> I was like, like I'm, I'm not good enough. Those slides. No, yeah. yeah, so. I'm not good enough to be an elementary school teacher. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like, not true. But it's like one of those things where I'm like, okay, so how hard is it? And it's not about hard. It's about meaningful. Right. So right. it's sometimes the bells and whistles are, Um, a mask for crappy content and to be clear Mm -hmm. on the show like you need to not like I saw this really cool idea about doing an online syllabus that's like in again Google Slides I'm like ooh, all these people finding these Google Slide hacks that I have no clue about we're like basically they're like building a notebook that has these different tabs and a kid could click on the tab and then it'll flip and it'll go to like that unit plan it's like a very and you can click on the links of like get a sneak peek of like the reading three months from now I'm like first of all that's so organized Second of all, how do you, you know, logistically, how do you do that? And, but then I, I was, I caught up in the moment and then I said, Hope, you don't even know what, like, you haven't even made the decisions about what you're going to include content wise. So how the hell are you trying to make this cute, like, tabby tab document mm-hmm. that will have nothing in it? Like that doesn't, right. So you can't get caught up in it. Yes. <laughs> Which I think that like, a lot of teachers. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of teachers will get caught yeah. up in all of that stuff, right? All of the fluff. And I think that if you if that's your jam, by all means, like you do you, totally, yeah. right? But I think that it's more important that the root of why you're doing it is yes. true and real, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and so, you know, getting to know each other, getting your students to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I was in prepping for this episode, I found an article that was talking about kind of the four tips for supporting um, Mm -hmm. distance Mm -hmm. learning. And it said, and I I knew this to be true, but it really went, the fourth point was that students are going to miss, like it's the personal touch points and the individual touch points that they get throughout a day from their teachers when it's in person. Right. So it's like individual students getting individual moments with their teachers. Mm, mm. And so I've been reflecting a lot on how do I recreate those, right? Because mm. I can I can have all the bells and whistles of like Edpuzzle and these Bitmoji classrooms and Google Slides <laughs> and, mm. and, and, and that creates engaging content um, that they want to engage with, which I think is so necessary. Yeah. But for me, I'm reflecting on, I think that one of my stre- like biggest strengths as a teacher are the individual touch points yeah. that I have with students. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, how do I create those? Mm-hmm. Right. 
Mm-hmm. With having so many students, how do I create moments with individuals where mm-hmm. I let them know that I see them, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that that's a, a fear for me is that students are going to feel in, even more invisible than they maybe already do in yeah. person, right? Yeah. In the building, because let's be real, there are so many students that feel invisible in mm-hmm. a school. Mm-hmm. And that has only gotten worse yeah. with virtual yeah. And so how as teachers are we letting students know that we see them like individually and not just that, oh, you checked in and you did your assignment. No, that I see you and I see who you are Mm. and I see the special and unique things that make you you and make it important that you are here and that you exist. And that um, like one thing that I got from when I worked with Nate Bowling, Nate, was he when a student was absent, he would say to them when they came back class isn't the same without you. Mm-hmm. And I've taken that, right? And I say yeah. that to my students as well. So how do we, how do teachers, and I, that's, I'm thinking about that all the time, is how do I let my students feel that from me, even virtually? Mm-hmm. How do I let do, them know that even virtually, class isn't the same, this is not the same without you being here? Have you figured that out? Do you have a strategy yet? Do you have opportunity yet? Um, should I do the like taking a sip trick that you did when I yeah, there you go, perfect. Taking a sip of my coffee. Um, I haven't. I I I think that it's going to be through like emails Mm. and potentially video messages. I also think that teachers have to be really careful to keep themselves safe, right? Like doing it safely. Um, And I think that that's also the really challenging thing is that having one-to-one interactions with students virtually is also like danger territory, right? Like you have to protect yourself and you have to make sure that you're doing it on the up and up. Um, And so I think that even in lessons, highlighting student responses, um, I use Nearpod a lot in the spring, which Mm -hmm. I loved. I Mm -hmm. loved Nearpod. Um, there are just so many really awesome and amazing things that you can do with that. And one of those is that students can reply to prompts, Mm -hmm. right? And you as the teacher can see them, but nobody else can see them. But then in the discussion afterwards, you can highlight those answers and share the answers with the whole class. Mm -hmm. And I would do that and I would have a checklist of like, okay, whose answers have I shared, right? Which Mm -hmm. is exactly what I would Mm -hmm. do in class. Right. Yep. I would make sure that I'm calling on different students. Um, and so I like the trying to highlight students' thoughts and responses. Yeah. Um, and that was one way that I did it. But I'm going to be honest, like, I don't feel like I did it super well in the spring. And yeah. I'm still trying to figure out, OK, what does that mean and look like in the yeah, fall? We- what you're talking about reminds me a little bit of um, Pear Deck is like that. So for people that are using Google Slides or want to transition to that, I really like Pear Deck for that purpose because you can um, project answers that are anonymous and then you can be like, who said this thing? It's so good. But you mm-hmm. like as a teacher generally, I mean, down the road, you'll know kids better. And so um, to be fair, right, you might have to like, you know, go in the dark there a little bit. But mm-hmm. um I think programs like Pear Deck, right? Like they allow that kind of interactive piece, like you said, and that honoring. Yeah, a yeah, big thing about concern for teachers. I mean, the thing is, I think it's really hard in the States is you're looking at a caseload of 150, right? Yep. And so like, how the hell are you supposed to make personal connections with 150 kids? And so I think setting some really clear um, 
like you said, boundaries for yourself, but also like clear markers, right? So when I was back in the U.S., I would call every Friday. I'd pick like three kids and I would make a phone call home and I would pick. And even if nothing, it was not bad phone calls either. I would just like call a kid and be like, hey, your kid did this really great thing this week, da, da, da. And if I couldn't get a hold of an adult to to brag about them, I would shoot an email if I could, right? And so Mm -hmm. just like it's only three kids. That's manageable for me on a Friday afternoon. Took me 10 minutes, maybe 15. Right. Um, it was actually longer for me to like psych myself up into doing it every week, even though I did it like all the time. Cause I don't know why it was like so scary. I'm deep in teacher TikTok, and like there's there's like a teacher trend where it's like there's a sound that's like no 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 and it's like crying and it's yeah. like teachers are like me waiting as like they're calling somebody and then the moment that the person picks up they're like hey yeah. this is Miss Oreo so and so's teacher yeah. but it's like they're crying up until the moment of like the period yeah. of making calls yeah right. But I think it's little things like that. So, like, you might not – and it depends on your district and what's going on. But, like, you might not be able to make a calls on a Friday. But, like, think about something like that. What's an equivalent that you can do that's safe? And, again, I, I think record the mess out of that. Like, I always documented mm-hmm. who I called, when I called them, what we chatted about. Mm-hmm. If you can do that through – I know some districts allow Remind. I love that because it protects the kids and you and the parents can be on that. And it's translatable. Um, you know, email obviously is, like, recordable. Um, there's just a lot of things that you can do to, like, protect yourself. Um, and, and still make meaning. And I know it sounds like so terrible, but I think you really have, you have to make sure that you're also protecting the kid along the way too. And And so that I think where it happens to them, it's, it's about that as well. It's you're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting the student. Right. And it's because it's, it's a vulnerable, um, situation all around. Mm-hmm, right? And you want to make yeah. sure that as the adult in the situation, you are doing everything in your power to protect all people and all parties involved. Yeah. I, I think a couple of things, you know, kind of thinking about best practices. Um, and again, mm-hmm. we'll link to all of the articles that we've been referring to um, today in the in the show notes. But like thinking about things like you mentioned a little bit like intrinsic motivation. So how do you yeah. continue to encourage kids to, um, you know, be proud of what they're doing and to work hard through something that's challenging? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think honestly, this is one of the reasons and I, sometimes I've been chastised for it or like that's impossible to do because of my life. Fine. You can't do it. Um, but like that's one of the reasons I I spent a lot of time like writing on kids journal entries. I've done that for years or like this spring I went into every single reading log every week and like wrote a stupid comment in there. Like mm-hmm. that's so funny or like great insight, just stuff that I knew the kids. So then the kids knew I was looking at it one and two knew that I kind of cared or was like bantering back and forth. Right. Yeah. So like there's these ways and I, way I know it's hard with say, a lot of kids, but Yes, exactly. Right. right? Like, that's, having, that's, it was a teacher uh-huh. saying, like, I see you. I see the effort uh-huh. that you're putting in. Uh-huh. I appreciate you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't graded. Right. But like, I yeah. noticed that I had pretty consistent, like, completion of that every single week because and I think it was because of that. Like, the kids knew I was going to look at it. The kids knew I was going to respond. You know, we make suggestions or I'd be like, that book sounds crazy. Like, how can you, you know, I'd ask them a question yep. about it more thoroughly, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, other things you think people should be thinking about doing or trying to implement for the fall? I think that it's understanding how this generation consumes media, right? It's like you had talked a bit about pacing a little bit earlier. I think that shorter segments, shorter lessons, shorter consumable, um, media is key because Mm -hmm. that's just how, that's how students, that's how this generation consumes, right? They are the YouTube they love their YouTube videos. They like 
they spend so much time on that app because they're short, quick. And then, I mean, also the phenomenon of TikTok. I mean, TikToks Mm -hmm. aren't longer than 60 seconds, Mm -hmm. right? And so thinking about how are you changing the, what they're consuming to Mm -hmm. pace more of what is, um, what they normally consume outside of the classroom, I think is key. Yeah. Um, But I also think like you can have rigor virtually. I think that it's necessary to have rigorous um, content, right? Like, I don't think that you have to dumb down anything virtually. And in fact, I think that that's going to be to the detriment of your engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And um, one of my um, assistant principals sent us out an article to our staff and it's from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And it's all about like what makes an excellent online teacher. And one of the things that it says is that teachers that have relied on physical presence as their engagement tool, like the fact that they're in there and they're making sure that their students are doing it, they're going to struggle the most. Yep. Right. Because you can't rely on your physical presence, shaming or guilting students mm-hmm. to um, be engaged and pay attention. And you have to shift and make sure that your content is relevant, right? Your mm-hmm. content is mm-hmm. engaging. Your content means something that it's not boring, right? Yeah. And honestly, like that should always be the goal of teachers is to make sure that your content is engaging and relevant. And that if it doesn't feel relevant to your students, you need to either one, change what you're doing or change how you're doing it. Yeah. You need to I, start I, explaining it. Yep. I it really, what you're saying reminds me of some, some folks I saw online who were, who were just, you know, like pining about like kids not paying attention. And lo and behold, it turns out because that, like you said, that teacher was like a one woman show or one man show in their classroom. Right. And they're like, doo, 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 doo. so like their charisma and they're like, well, made it work for kids in the, in the classroom space, but then go online. All the kids are like, you ain't here. Your charisma is not coming through this screen. <laughs> screen. <laughs> this le- lesson on poetry or mm-hmm. fill in the blank is so so tedious and boring and not good. But like, I think in some ways people's personalities make up for bad teaching. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough in this new environment because I think you can't hide as much anymore. Right. Um, you can't hide as much. And, and in another way, I mean, we haven't even talked about this whole other episode probably, but like just the fact that more, since everything is going to be online, your stuff's going to be more public than maybe it's ever been before. Right. And so that mediocre handout that you created, (laughs) that was fine that you could kind of hide through and like work your kids through, but you knew you should revamp five years ago, but you really didn't because you just kept doing it every year. Mm -hmm. Like now everybody else gets to see that. Now people get to drag you on Twitter. Oh <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it's scary, but I also, yes, it's so scary, but it's also, I think, good, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I know there was some challenge earlier this year when um, folks like Chris Emden were, you know, calling out teachers for, like, relying too much on certain kinds of relationships or not, mm-hmm. you know, or, or kind of talking about, like, how, you know, why are your kids not engaged? And, you know, a lot of people felt really bad about those things, but I think there's something to be said about things that we kind of allow ourselves to slide into accidentally, oh, purposefully, sure. whatever. And it's like, you know what? We just got to, I need to like admit that I'm not reaching this group in my class. Yes. I never re- met, re- I didn't reach them in person. I'm not reaching them in line. And so what do I need to do as, as the adult, as the professional to yep. like do my job, you know, and to right. meet this kid, you know, and try, and try to make better lessons yeah. maybe as part of it. Yeah. And I think that that's key, right? Is that, you know, we can 
talk a lot, but teaching is really challenging and it's really it's difficult hard. and it's easy to slip into what feels easy and gets the job mm. done on any given day because mm -hmm. the burnout is real because the exhaustion is real. And honestly, because oftentimes and it doesn't feel like either way makes much of a difference, right? Like you become really, mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. become really jaded as a mm -hmm. teacher, um, especially mm -hmm. when you're just within your four walls and you don't receive much recognition and you don't receive much support from outside of your classroom. Yep. Like it can go the other way too, right? And yeah. you have to be constantly, <laughs> I just thought of like, I was constantly vigilant and like Harry Potter. I'm like, I love Harry Potter. and like mad I moody. Anyways, it's a nerdy response, but he constantly says that. But you have to stay constantly vigilant in your work, right? And you have to constantly be questioning the, the quality of work that you are, mm -hmm. are providing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 Um, gosh, there was something else I was going to add on that. Oh, I think another thing we haven't really talked about, but um, just to kind of throw out there for listeners to think about, especially those not as plugged into education issues, is I think sometimes it's it's um, the public can perceive that teachers are whining about the fall and remote learning because they believe that we're teaching the same thing we've always taught. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think one thing that's important to consider and check in your own context and your kids' teachers um, is just the fact that a lot of teachers get assigned different courses and different grade levels every year. Um, mm -hmm. That changes quite regularly, actually. It's very much uncommon to teach the same thing over and over again. Um, and then within that, you also have teachers, um, districts that will revamp a curriculum. Like I I've heard stories, you know, about how math curriculum changes every single year, right? You can't even get the flow yeah. for that because they're like, keep tweaking it or keep changing or trying to do something different. And so I think the expectation that teachers could just take their old lessons, slap them online. I hope by now in the podcast, you understand that like, it's a lot more to teaching meaningfully online than just slapping something I did in class that might have worked, you know, in a small group setting uh -huh. or in my classroom setting that isn't going to work when a kid's at home trying to focus on their computer with their siblings screaming in the background, you know. And so I think, uh -huh. you know, to be fair, like there's a lot, a lot more work that's involved. Um, and so just kind of understanding that teachers are, can't, aren't complaining unnecessarily <laughs> yeah. and that we like legit are trying to do something meaningful for your, for your kid. Yeah, I, I think it's a completely different ball game, mm -hmm. right? And it's um, this, yeah, this idea that teachers aren't constantly, daily, changing their life, like working yeah. on their lessons, changing their lessons. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think people realize, like, period, class period to class period, teachers yeah. are making moves and changes of based yeah. off of the responses that they did or didn't get from their students or what did or didn't work. And mm -hmm. I know of several teachers that like are scrambling during passing period, changing slides around and like yeah. trying to figure out what's going to work better for their students. Right. And I think that, um, I don't know. I, for people that haven't been teachers don't know the feeling of a lesson completely bombing in real time, mm -hmm. right? And once you experience that, you never want it to happen again. Yeah. Like it is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And you know it as a teacher, like you know when something is not working. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love about this profession is that majority of teachers constantly are trying to do better. And so yeah. even if the teacher is teaching the same con, like same curriculum or same, subject matter as the year before no teacher I shouldn't say no that's not but most teachers are not just regurgitating what they did the yeah. year before they're trying yeah. to be better they want to be better they are 
teachers are some of the most hardworking, professional, mm-hmm. um, professionally motivated people that I've ever met. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're trying to keep up with the times. Like what's a new yeah. get to know you activity. that's less tedious. What, what is a new, um, you know, what's a video that like last year, this sufficed on YouTube, but now it's been a year. So yes. what other content has been put out by an education organization, right? Yes. Like there's just stuff that you should constantly be refreshing constant, and that it does take time. Yeah. Yes. It does and I take think, time. I think that also it's that, um, for people that maybe haven't ever taught before, they don't know the feeling of like each group of students, those personalities create very yeah. different needs within yeah. within yeah. a class period. So even one student that you think that you know in one class can have a completely different personality in the other because of the, the dynamic. Yeah. And so even my first year of teaching, I had a completely different lesson plan for my third period mm-hmm. and my third period alone mm-hmm. based off of the very specific needs of the personality of those freshmen. Like, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I realized, oh, I cannot give them the same lesson. And so yeah. I would have to like, change and tweak my lesson. And I think that there's a lot of that happening and even more happening now virtually teachers are going to have to figure out in real time, what works, what doesn't, how does, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? How do I change this? How do I tweak that? How do I improve engagement? And like, can you teach art of darkness online? Like that sounds like a nightmare to me and I would pick a different text, right? Like there's some of that kind of stuff that I think, um, yeah, we just have to come to face as teachers and then also as community, you know, helping to be understanding a little bit about that and mm-hmm. and being patient. I mean, one of the themes that I, I see throughout the last few months is just like a sense of patience, right? And um, patience with ourselves for things not working out the way that we want them to work out, patience for um, our partners, patience with our students. I mean, it's yeah. just... Um, not patience with president. Just kidding. Um, shame. Uh, <laughs> shame, but like, shame, shame. There's, I know. there's a fair amount of that, like that we do need to, um, yeah, like, I don't know, patience isn't the right word necessarily, but we just need to empathy. be, yeah, I think, yeah, there you go, that, back I think that when you said empathy, right, that's what I was about to bring up is that um, leading with empathy through all of this is going to be key, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it's seeking understanding mm-hmm. rather than seeking judgment and anger. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's been honestly more challenging because the more isolated people become, the less empathy people carry with them Mm -hmm. because the less interactions they have with people, the less they have to think about other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a really interesting, um, thought experiment on quarantine and how quarantine has impacted empathy. And I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that we can see some um, yeah. lack of empathy as in this country, in the United States, as we move forward yeah. in the COVID. Yeah. Right. And the COVID uh, era. In the, the era COVID of COVID. Era, right. Is that as a history you, teacher, um, what would you call this era? Wait, what? Do you have like a name as a history teacher, like oh, when you, if you were like writing a book on this era, do you have a name yet that you've come <laughs> to for this? I have a couple floating around in my head. Oh, are they appropriate uh, to say on my No, they just like popping. I don't know. Like, I don't want to curse, but like Go ahead. Do the you shit show era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the shit show. Um, <laughs> like the world is on fire era. Like yeah. everything's burning era. Mm, um, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Doug, for those listeners that know, Doug is sitting with the background is the world on fire image. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. The world is burning. The word that came to my mind was shit show. And you said it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Shit show. Um, But anyways, I think that if you think about human behavior, um, 
the less interaction people have with other humans, they're just far less, like, they're far less likely to think about the other person's perspective because they don't have to, mm-hmm. right? Like, that isolationist tribalistic idea. Like, that just, it just is how humans work. And so mm. I just, I, I want us to, as we move into the fall, have, lead with more empathy. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're to your point, like, how do you then create like back full circle? How do you then make sure that you have meaningful communities online? Right. So that you have that you have the book clubs that you join, that you offer students a platform to give video time with each other. You know, just those kinds of things that can help um, mitigate that a little bit. Um, Real quick, champagne and real pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. So is there anybody or anything in particular you'd like to raise a glass to? Megan Holyoke. Oh, gosh. You go first. <laughs> um, I will just raise a glass to all the teachers that are working their butts off right now, preparing for the school year, thinking through all of this and a million other things that we haven't even talked about. Um, those people that are, you know, getting up early, staying up late, doing that work, doing their own. I'll also raise a glass to all people doing their own personal work in terms of like um, your anti-racist work. You're more like building your more emp- your your capacity for empathy for other people. I mean, just all that stuff. There's a lot of people, I think, who are in a place of working um, very much. And I don't want to be like all capitalistic, like working, working, and that's what gets you credit. (laughs) But I just want to give a shout out to those people and raise a glass to you. So thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you for keeping up the stamina. And it's really difficult. So good job. Anybody else? Um, So I would love to raise the glass to the people that are spending their summer months creating resources that Mm -hmm. teachers can use to become better right like I like you right even you of spending your time having these conversations even (laughs) even even you I mean my gosh the least likely person that I would love (laughs) to highlight (laughs) my gosh (laughs) finish your champagne to me Megan anything else (laughs) No, I like, listen, I don't want to go this class, but no, just like that you're spending time that you don't have to having conversations with people and like creating resources for people to be better teachers and to serve students better. Because ultimately that's what this job is, is how Mm -hmm. we serve students, not serve, but like, how do we, yeah, it's serving them in a way better, right? Like how do we create more meaningful and engaging content for students and how do we improve the educational field? And so to anybody that has been spending their time doing that this summer, like love. More power to you. Yeah. All the champagne. Um, All right. Real pain. And I think my real pain mainly is for Georgia right now, particularly the school district that I can't remember the name of right this second, who decided to have school anyway. And then everybody got COVID. I know this is exaggeration, but shame on the leadership there. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. Where's that shame bell? Shame. Shame bell. Shame on them. There you go. Shame on all the other districts who are ignoring school teachers, who are ignoring health guidelines who are just like trying along like it's fine and that it's pre-COVID and it's not. So get a grip, do things that are better for your community and don't be so crappy. Yeah. Any other pain? Um, well, one, that Georgia school that you mentioned was also the school that suspended their oh, yeah. posting the videos and posting pictures and then only reversed that suspension because it got national coverage. But 
so much shame to that principal who went on the intercom and warned and told the students that anybody else that posted anything that painted the school in a negative light would be, would receive the same consequence. Like shame on you for, for teaching your students that you do not care about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like I owe that like so much anger. Mm-hmm. So much anger inside of me about that whole situation. I just I couldn't believe that that was real life. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And um also real pain to all of the politicians that mm-hmm. When quarantine first started, it was like, teachers are amazing. Like, teachers are heroes. How do they do this every day, right? And it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, praising teachers because all of a sudden they were having to, like, do what we do and manage everything. And how quickly they have shifted to teachers being the enemy and the villain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, trying. You're just trying to get money for doing nothing. If I'm at home teaching yeah. my kids, then yeah. like, what are you like, doing? If I'm homeschooling, <laughs> then why are teachers receiving the same salary? Like, I mean, get the F out of here with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if all the teachers that are quitting over this, then you might as well be the one. You're going to have to apply yourself. I know. By all, means, by yeah. all means. <laughs> don't take my curricula, like don't take my curriculum or content or what I've prepared or, 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 or like, so real pain to, to those people mm. that were singing teachers praises in the spring and are now shaming teachers and vilifying teachers for listening to scientists. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. Perfect. Perfect. Nice job. Um, <laughs> the first time that I've homework. gotten to that, I didn't know hey, why. You're like, why are you pointing at me? And so I realized <laughs> this is going to be a good, good dynamic. Hope. It's good. It's <laughs> I picked good. it up. Good job. First episode. Um, yeah. For season four. Um, so my homework, I guess, for the crowd and listeners, if you're in education, please go look at one of the links. If something resonated with you, um, share that with your colleagues, share that with your own planning. I think this is the time we really need to come together as a community. And I believe that teachers are oriented that way. And we do share and crowdsource. But now more than ever, right? Like share that document that you created, share that thing that you're helping out and just let's come along together and help each other because it's a shit show. And so we need we need the family together to be able to to make it through this and that's one of the ways I um, continue to be hopeful so I just want to encourage people to do that homework of of connecting with somebody else and coming alongside other folks in this process how about you um you stole mine uh, <laughs> is, it, is it like pretentious to say, like have uh, our links be the the homework <laughs> I suggest? Uh, um, my homework is to go listen to me when I, I mean, like please just like all these really great resources that we cultivated. But really, really good, I, I think Fair that good. there's some really really good articles there. I really love the um, Harvard um, Graduate School of Education article. I think that it just, it really encompasses, there's so much to it and Mm -hmm. it encompasses things that like I hadn't even thought about. Um, and yeah, so just educating yourself. And if you're not an educator, Mm -hmm. just listen to teachers and believe teachers and trust teachers, right? Like I think that trying to understand where teachers are coming from before jumping to judgment, I don't know if that's necessarily homework or just like an action item, (laughs) like a a post-show action item, please, that um, for the most part, 
And you trust the professionals and the people that have been doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer. Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.